Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. In our always-on, productivity-addicted lifestyles, we tend to think of the pursuit of fun as being indulgent or childish. We claim not to have time for it even as we spend hours a day engaging in what journalist and screen life balance expert Catherine Price calls fake fun, binging Netflix, scrolling through Twitter, or indulging our FOMO on Instagram, all in hopes of filling some of the emptiness we feel inside. Through years of research, Price has learned the truth. Far from being frivolous or a distraction, fun, or as she calls it, true fun, is actually the secret to achieving our goals. If you reorient your life around what you personally find fun, you will be happier and healthier. You will be more productive, less resentful, and less stressed. You will have more energy for yourself and for other people. You will find community and a sense of purpose. You will feel alive again. So join me today for a conversation with author of the new book, The Power of Fun, Catherine Price. But before we get to the conversation, as always, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow. All right, getting the housekeeping out of the way, I wanted to share my minimalist resource with you this week. Sometimes I share a minimalist moment. Sometimes I share a resource. It's honestly whatever comes to my mind first. But this week, I want to share a book with you, which I believe I've mentioned before on this show. It's a book called Let Them Eat Dirt by author B. Brett Finlay and Marie Claire Arietta. This was a book I read quite some time ago, and it just keeps coming back to mind. It's really one of the first parenting books to apply cutting-edge scientific research when it comes to the human microbiome and the way that we raise our children. Obviously, it's not going to be a blanket for every individual, and I'm not saying this is some cure-all. It just gave me a little bit more peace, I think, when it came to just practical advice on antibiotics, pets, being outside. And when I was reading it, having a baby that was constantly putting sticks and dirt, like the title suggests, putting dirt in his mouth. I've never been someone that's overly sensitive to the germs around me, but I will say having children, it obviously heightens your (laughs) sensitivities to these things. And this book gave me so much peace, especially, especially being outside. Obviously, there are moments when you're always going to want to wash your hands. But again, I'm giving way too much away. I'm not a scientist. And this book just gave me a lot of food for thought. For those of you who've read it, I'm very curious to know what other people think. As I'm recording this, I'm looking on Goodreads, and it looks like it's pretty mixed reviews, but more so leaning on the side of positive reviews. So if this is something that sounds interesting to you, I highly recommend checking it out from the library or grabbing a copy of your own. All right. Thank you to everyone who left reviews last week on iTunes. And what else did I have to say? I just wanted to say thank you for overwhelming support last week with the first episode of the year. We hit number 25, 26 on the iTunes Kids and Family chart. I told my husband at one point last year, I was like, yeah, I don't think I'll ever get above 60. I think it's it's okay. It's fine. And so to see that last week, it really blew me away. And uh, if I don't ever make it higher in the charts, it was a cherry on top of this whole experience. So I appreciate you guys listening and sharing this podcast with friends that could benefit from the message. Again, this conversation today is Unlike any other conversation I've had before, it's such a unique topic, the idea of fun. And you'll hear me talk about my own experiences having fun in the podcast and how I've always 
kind of stayed away from using that word in the past. So I can't wait for you to hear it. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Katherine Price. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I absolutely loved your first book and I can't wait to read through this newest book. It's called The Power of Fun. Yep. The Power of Fun, How to Feel Alive Again. So you are here today to discuss this and how The Power of Fun is actually just it's really living more intentionally, but intentionally trying to have fun. So before we get into that conversation, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to listeners and then we'll get started. Sure. So I am a science journalist by training and background, but I also have a big background in mindfulness and a very strong personal interest in living a rich and fulfilling life. So I've written a number of books ranging from a cookbook to a parody travel guide to a sweeping history of vitamins and nutrition. But the two books that have really crystallized for me a purpose professionally that aligns with me personally has been uh, my last book, which was called How to Break Up with Your Phone, which is about creating more intentional relationships with technology. And then this new book, The Power of Fun, which is actually a direct follow-up to How to Break Up with Your Phone, which we can talk about. But it really is all about becoming more conscious about how we are spending our time and seeing how that does or does not align with how we say we want to be spending our time and then figuring out ways to get those to overlap better. Absolutely. And it's funny. I would say that I'm someone that doesn't feel like I have fun. So people, (laughs) sorry, it's a running joke for me and my cousins. They're like, Oh, are you having fun? And I'm like, I'm having a good time, but I wouldn't say this is fun. And so it's actually been a goal of mine to seek out more fun in my life. There there's having a good time, but it's like that next level. And I think that you do have to be really intentional about that. Yeah. So I went through that same process of trying to figure out what fun actually is. Yeah. Because it's a word we use all the time, really casually, and one might even say carelessly. And I've realized that's because there's not very there's not a very good definition of fun. Like if you look it up in the dictionary, you'll find something like fun is lighthearted pleasure. But then if you ask people, including perhaps yourself, to reflect on some past experiences you've had that you would describe as having been truly fun or so fun chances are they're actually not going to just be moments of lighthearted pleasure. There's actually going to be probably something pretty moving and profound about them. And just as a personal example, when I got interested in this subject, I mean, yeah, (laughs) the story is that I'd cleared out space in my life because I was spending less time on my phone, but that left me with a lot of free time. And Mm -hmm. I realized I didn't know what I wanted to do with that time. And that launched me on this journey that led me to write The Power of Fun. But in particular, the thing I decided I would try was to play the guitar because I, I asked people, or asked myself a question that I asked people when I was researching how to break up with your phone, which was what's something you always say you want to do, but supposedly don't have time for, which is something I invite your listeners to ask themselves as well. And I decided for me, it was to learn to play guitar because I had one, um, but I never learned to play it. And it was from my grandmother and I was really close to her and she played guitar and I I play piano. So I figured I would try it. And when I went to this guitar class, it was this adult BYOB, very laid back class. You know, I enjoyed the learning of guitar, but I felt this energy that really surprised me. I just felt ebullient afterwards and I felt more resilient and cheerful 
and just happier, not just in the hour and a half of the class, but for the days and even like the week following the class. Mm -hmm. And it quickly became a highlight of my week. So I became really interested in what that feeling was. And the best word I could think of to describe it was fun, but it was not just lighthearted pleasure. It really was this life-affirming joy. Mm -hmm. And so that's what led me to, to write this book. But I think that the first thing we need to do when we talk about fun is to define what we're talking about. And so through a lot of research, I've come to my own definition, which I can propose to you, which is that true fun, as I call it, is a state of playful, connected flow. So it's playfulness, connection, and flow. Mm -hmm. And to clarify what I mean by that, by playful, I don't mean that you have to, you know, play a board game or play charades or, you know, (laughs) make believe with a child. I mean, more just having a lighthearted attitude, not caring too much about the outcome. In the case of my guitar class, that was definitely true because we weren't trying to perform or be perfect. It, we were just playing together. And it was so liberating. You know, how often do we get to experience that in our grown up lives, especially for parents? Yeah. And then the connection was really about human connection. When I asked people to share with me their own past experiences of fun, the vast majority of people shared experiences that involved someone else. You know, sometimes there was a dog involved, but it was normally a person. And it was true even for introverts, which was very interesting. A lot of people said that they were surprised that they themselves consider themselves introverts. Mm -hmm. And yet the stories they shared with me involved another person. So there's an element of connection. And it could be a connection with like your physical environment or even with your own body. But in most cases, there's a person. And then flow is the psychological state of being so absorbed in your present experience that you lose track of time but not in the sense of being kind of hypnotized in the sense that like, if you look at Instagram for a long time, you might lose track of time, but that's not real flow. That's actually what's known as junk flow. I'm talking about like an active and engaged state. And you can think about a musician who's playing music or an athlete in the middle of a game, like that is flow. And I realized that certainly for my own experiences, when I described what I called true fun, it was playful connected flow. And I asked a bunch of people who volunteered to help me with this project to share experiences for their own lives. And then once they'd shared those experiences, I ran that definition by them to see if they agreed. And they said, yes, that actually does accurately describe my experiences of past fun. So I would argue to answer your question that fun in the truest sense of the word is playful, connected flow. Mm -hmm. And I think nailing down that definition is so useful because it makes it possible for us to separate things that produce what I call true fun, playful connected flow from what I call fake fun, which is kind of the mind numbing, but yet mind numbing activities that we're somehow compulsively drawn to, but that leave us feeling kind of dead and empty inside. Yeah, And that fake fun is often things that we find on our screens. But I think once you become able to clarify the distinction for yourself, it becomes a lot easier to have more true fun without feeling overwhelmed and to eliminate the fake fun. Yes. And I'm kind of weird about language. And I think that's why I've always said that was a good time, but I wasn't having fun until I really sat to think about it. I'm like, what is fun? And I love your definition. And I would say one of the things I came up with was having a road trip with my friends when we would drive to New York city together. I actually had so much fun with them doing this thing that seemed to maybe most people that that's not that fun, but I felt connected. I was relaxed and I was just with my best friends talking, drinking coffee. And it it was, it was fun for me. The other example that I thought of is when you're at a wedding and some people might hate this too, but I am now really into dancing at weddings. I used to never do that. And I'm like, that is so much fun now, but I can see how your definition is just, it really fits what I guess my perception of fun would be. 
you know, and I think you bring up a really good point too, that, you know, I would argue that that definition is universal, that it describes, I mean, nearly every moment that's been shared with me of fun, mm-hmm. but each of us finds, finds playful connected flow in different ways. Yeah. And I think about that. I mean, I gave that a name, which is like fun magnets, right? We each have a collection of activities or people or settings that are more likely than others to lead to true fun for us. And Mm -hmm. so I I think it's actually a really useful exercise or journaling prompt or whatever in order to hone in on what you should prioritize in your own life, because we're all so busy. But if you understand what your fun magnets are, if you know that hanging out with that particular group of friends, you could be doing anything. You could have been stuck in traffic on that road trip. You know, like you're just in a car with them. That doesn't inherently sound fun, but it was fun because you had this group, particular group of people. Maybe you were listening to particular music. Yes. You know, and, and you know that when you spend time with them, you get into this relaxed, open, playful state of mind. And mm-hmm. the better we understand what our personal collection of fun magnets is, the easier it is to build more opportunities for fun into our schedules. And then again, to eliminate or reduce the stuff that doesn't generate true fun for us. I think of that as anti-fun factors. Like if you know that you truly, you've tried it and you hate dancing at weddings, mm-hmm. you can stop beating yourself up about not dancing at weddings because you know you don't like it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really freeing. How does adding fun add to our lives? So when we when we make sure that we add fun to our lives, what is the benefit other than probably being a stress reliever? Well, there's, you know, that was one of the most interesting things I thought in the process of writing this book was starting to realize that it's good for us in so many ways. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. Like once you define fun as playful, connected flow, the world opens up in terms of the benefits you start to see, because there's not good research on fun per se, because no one has a good definition of it. But if we're going to work with this definition of playful, connected flow, there's tons of research on playfulness, connection, and flow about how good they are for us, both mentally and also physically. So I can talk about this forever, but I think one thing that's really interesting is just what you were saying is the stress relief, you know, like, oh yeah, it's just a stress relief. Well, no, it's not just a stress relief. If you think about what's known about the effect of stress on our bodies Mm -hmm. and brains in the short and the long term, you might become like me and become obsessed with trying to figure out ways to reduce stress. You know, long story short, when we're stressed out, our bodies actually release hormones, including cortisol, which do things to us physically that help us run away from physical threats. So for example, you want cortisol if you are being chased by a lion because cortisol does things like increase your heart rate and your blood pressure and your blood sugar to give you energy and stamina to run away. But if you're experiencing psychological stress, let alone for an extended period of time, as many of us are right now, because life is stressful, especially in the past year and a half, Mm -hmm. those same effects can lead to health problems. So you can see how increased cortisol over time, given what I just said about, you know, just the blood pressure and the blood sugar and the heart rate, how it can increase our risks for things like heart disease, type two diabetes, stroke, heart attack, you know, even dementia and cancer. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it in that lens, anything that reduces our stress is actually really good for our health in the short and the long run. And so if fun is a big stress reliever, that alone is justification to prioritize it as a health intervention, which is something I've never heard anyone talk about who talks about, well, you know, what you really need to do is have more fun to, you know, live longer. I can go on, but I find that really interesting. And another benefit I find is that it fun to me provides a path to happiness Mm -hmm. because everyone wants to be happy, but what does it mean to be happy? I was talking to someone once when I was researching my book and he said, if you asked me if I were happy, 
we'd probably have a philosophical conversation that would require being like, what is happiness? Yeah. But if you ask me, did you have fun last weekend? You know, it sounds like you would be able to answer this question quite easily. You know, you say yes or no, you can kind of tell. And the other thing I realized is that when you're having fun, we're inevitably happy. Having fun is a happy state. And that means if you want to be happy, if that is a life goal of yours, which it is for most of us, then you can do that and achieve it simply by prioritizing fun. Because when you have fun, you'll be happy. So the more fun you're having, the happier you will be without having to get into this philosophical discussion or, you know, lots of navel gazing or whatever, which I encourage. I love that. But I just love that fun provides this like, I don't know, tangible thing that we can grasp onto and take action on that then makes us feel better and also is really good for us. I love the philosophical conversations. Let's have those all day. But for, for people that don't want to do that, yes, I think it's good to, like you said, journal and think about some of these things that you have done or you'd like to do that might inspire fun, which is one of my next questions. I want to know this is going to look different for everyone. Cause like you said, we all experience fun in different ways, but what are some ways that adults can have fun? And maybe what are some changes that we can make in our day to have more fun on the daily and not just say, <laughs> Oh, this happened on the week, the weekend, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, a couple of thoughts there. I mean, first is to recognize that you pr- probably some people are pushing back and saying like, Oh my God, I'm too busy. I don't have time for fun. So the first thing is to recognize you have more time than you think. It's just right now we're spending a lot of our leisure time on things that are fake fun that are not actually fun like checking Instagram, right? So if you start to think more about the difference between true fun and fake fun, and then prioritize the former and de-emphasize the latter, you probably will end up with more time without really having to do too much about it. So that'd be one thought. Another is to just recognize moments of playfulness and connection and flow that you're already experiencing. Because, and this was actually a revelation for me when I was writing, I think we typically tend to focus on these bigger moments of fun, the kind of moments that you'll remember, like that car ride with your friends, which you remember, even though it was a while ago. Um, But that might be hard to manufacture. You know, you might have a really great time on a particular vacation, but it's not like you can go replicate that on a Tuesday night. So I think one of the, the places to start is to get into the practice. And again, this can be a journaling exercise. And indeed, it can be a journaling exercise you do during some of the moments before bed that you might otherwise spend doing something mindless on your phone, just reflect on your day and notice when were there moments, no matter how small of playfulness or connection or flow. And when you notice those things, just jot down some notes about what you were doing and who you were with, if anyone, um, and what objects, if any, were involved and where you were. So similar process to what I described for the fun magnets, just notice what brought you into a state of playfulness or connection or flow. And then notice if two of those things happened at once, or maybe even three of those things happened at once. And you may start to recognize it happens more than we realize. We're just not paying attention to it. And so I think for anyone who's feeling stressed out and feels like in their day-to-day life, like non-weekend life in particular, there's no way they're ever going to be able to prioritize fun. Well, you actually might not have to work so hard at it. It's just a matter of shifting your focus from (laughs) was presented to us all the time on things like the news and social media, which is to say sources of fear and outrage and anxiety to other things. I recently had a conversation with someone who was telling me that he had spent, he had actually experienced what he considered true fun recently when he was sitting on a park bench with his nephew and they were just trying to catch falling leaves. Mm-hmm. And I kind of freaked out a little bit because I was like, oh my God, because I keep speaking about the metaphor of how there's fun floating in the air all around us <laughs> in the form of little moments of playfulness, connection, and flow. And I'm like, you just made it literal. You were sitting on a bench trying to catch fun as it floated through the air. But I thought it was such a neat little 
you know, like visual. And and then I tried catching a leaf myself this le- this past weekend with my husband. And you know what? It was playfully absurd. I actually had a moment of fun in there. <laughs> this is just a random question. What was one of the, I, I don't want to say weirdest because I don't want to make anyone feel bad, but what was something that caught you off guard that someone said was fun for them? <laughs> well, there are all sorts of, I mean, I was gonna say fun examples, but the one that jumps to mind was, um, uh, someone described squishing mud through their toes and okay. they were talking about how squishing mud through their toes was more fun than sand or just like dirt or even water or something about it being messy. And then this was interesting when it comes to that thing I was saying about connection. They said, I think the sense memory I have of when this particular moment of squishing mud through my toes was fun was with my friend, Margaret, you know, we were mm-hmm. so, yeah. So I think it can pop up you know what? I'll give an example from my own life. I'm happy to make myself be the weirdo. I yeah, had to get a cortisone injection in my shoulder a couple months ago because I was having shoulder pain and I'd had this bad experience with this previous radiologist for something else. And I was thinking, Oh God, I really hope that it's not that guy. It's not that radiologist <laughs> who walks into the room, that radiologist. And we proceed to have this absurd conversation with his um, attending physician about where to put the injection and you know what, what the, my problem is. I don't know, but it, it was like this the conversation itself, it struck me as so absurd. Like the whole situation was so absurd that I found myself laughing and I found myself um, thinking in the moment about how absurd it was and how I would tell my husband about it afterwards. And I realized I actually had a little bit of fun while getting a cortisone injection from someone who wasn't very good at injections. And I thought, well, that is truly weird. (laughs) I've been told that that anecdote comes off as strange to people. But I really did. You know, would I want to relive that moment of fun? No, I can find better. I can find much better ways for me to have moments of true fun. But I thought it was so interesting because I could have come out of that thinking, oh, God, you know, it was that guy and, you know, it hurt and I didn't want that and blah, blah, blah. And instead I was like, I'm going to focus on the absurdity of that and just the fact that I did have a fun little conversation with one of the techs. And yeah, sure, that was a moment, albeit one I'm probably not going to savor <laughs> deliberately, but it was a moment of fun. I'm wondering if because you've shifted your mindset to be more aware of the fun moments in your day, if that is why that stood out to you or that you're, 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 because you're being intentional about seeking out fun, you made that into a fun moment. I think that's a really good point actually. Cause yes, I think you're right. I think that part, it it kind of feeds on itself. Yeah. If I hadn't been thinking about fun and if I hadn't been noticing and appreciating and looking for moments of playfulness, connection and flow, I wouldn't have noticed it and it wouldn't have stood out as fun. So the fact that I was paying attention to fun actually in some ways generated that itself generated fun for me. And I think that that's, that's something that you see a lot in like literature of positive psychology, which is the study of human well-being is where we direct our attention really has an impact on our moods and our Mm well-being. You know, there's like the what is it? The broaden and build theory of the more positive experiences you have, the more resilient you'll become. It yeah. also reminds me of, um, there's this book I love called the book of delights by this poet, Ross Gay, for which he wrote an essay every single day for a year about something that delighted him like a little thing. So side note, I recommend starting a delight practice of your own, not that you have to write an essay, but just get in the habit of noticing things that delight you in your everyday environment, something your kid says, you know, like my daughter, um, refers to nerds candy as nerves. And no matter what I say, she will not switch that. She's like, Oh, I'd love my nerves. 
you know, or she refers to graffiti as confetti. So today she's uh, like, someone wrote on that stop sign and confetti. And for a second, I was like, what is she talking about? And then I thought, how delightful. It's just a delight. Uh-huh. Anyway, one thing that Ross Gay says in his book is that the more he tuned in to delight, the more delights revealed themselves to him. It was almost like having a delight radar or tuning into a frequency on a radio dial. So I think that you're spot on. The fact that I am tuning in to playfulness and connection and flow, no matter how small those moments are, means I'm noticing more of them. And I think that's a really lovely thing because it doesn't require much additional effort. It's not putting something big into your already overcrowded schedule. But the more you notice those things, the more resilient and energized you'll feel and the less overwhelmed you'll feel. It's a great way of reducing burnout just by changing the way you react to your everyday experiences. Absolutely. One of my last questions I had for you, which we kind of already discussed is I want to tie in your last book and how did breaking up with your phone and just creating just a healthier screen life balance in general, create more fun in your life? Because it's obviously provided you with more time to notice fun, but did you have anything else you wanted to add? I think I would just really emphasize the fact that, well, yeah, that, that we are spending an awful lot of time on things that if we actually think about them, don't bring us any meaning or enjoyment. And it's stuff we're doing in our leisure time, you know, time we have control over. It's not work time or things. There's no boss telling you, you have to be scrolling through Instagram at someone's feed whose photos make you feel bad about yourself. Like we're doing that ourselves. And it's an awful lot of time, you know, before the pandemic, the best statistics I found was that the average person was spending upwards of four hours a day, just on their phones. And if you do the math on that, that's almost 60 full days a year or a quarter of our waking lives. That's nuts. And, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that if you actually want to do it. But the problem is that there's a big business incentive for app makers, especially for things that are based on advertising like social media. There's the incentive to get us to spend as much time as possible on their products because that's how they make money. And I think the fact that we haven't thought consciously about what fun actually means or what is or is not true fun for us has left us really vulnerable to anyone who wants to sell us their products or services by just telling us they're fun. So that was really an aha moment for me. And I really did find that once I started to spend less time on my screens, I was left with a lot more opportunities for things I really enjoyed. And I would also say that I I came to realize that fun is actually a great tool for just spending less time staring at screens in general, you know, as a result of how to break up with your phone, as you can imagine, I hear from people all the time asking me, well, how do I change the habit? Like I know, for example, that social media doesn't make me feel good, but I can't stop checking it. What advice do you have? And I've got all sorts of practical suggestions for ways to set boundaries and intentions for yourself. But one thing I think people often miss is that too often when we're trying to change a habit, we rely on willpower or self-control. And those are actually horrible ways to change a habit because eventually the willpower is going to run out and we'll just end up right back where we started. The best way to change a habit is to give yourself a positive alternative that you would rather do instead. And what I've come to realize is that fun can be that alternative. Once you know what your fun magnets are, and once you feel the joy that comes from having true fun, you're not going to want to spend time scrolling through whatever your problem app is because you'll know what the good stuff tastes like, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that that was an interesting connection that didn't occur to me when I first started writing this book is that it helps the screen time problem, both for, you know, ourselves as adults and also for our children, 
kind of begin to take care of itself a bit because you kind of can see fake fun for what it is, which is to say fake. And in many cases, a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And then you just get disgusted by it. And you're like, you know what? I've got better things to do with my time. I only have so much time and I've got all these other things. Like right now, I'm really happy to say that if you ask me like what I wanted to do with a pocket of free time, I actually could answer that question. Like I'd want to practice guitar or I'd want to play the piano and work on a song that I'd like to do with some friends when we get together. Or, you know, one of the consequences of this process is I I started taking drum lessons Mm. and you might be like, how the heck do you have time? Like, I don't have time for that. Well, I found time for it. Well, first of all, because I do have a very supportive spouse and we've worked a lot about, you know, on, on supporting each other's fun, which I think is very important, you know, to have conversations about as couples. But also I really have found that I'm not spending I'm not, like personally, I'm not judging anyone who loves watching a favorite TV show because I think that can be relaxing or enjoyable, you know, maybe not true fun because there's no human connection or it's not really active, but I think it's enjoyable for me personally. I find that I don't really enjoy that. So once I realized that and I, I just took back that time, I have time to do all these other things, even little things like plant identification, which might not sound at all fun to other people, but it's provided me with lots of, you know, fodder for conversations and going for walks with people. Do you have so kind of rambling, but like I really, I, I've been, really amazed by how this little question, what is fun has led to this entire new passion for me. And what I hope will be really useful knowledge and suggestions for anyone who's feeling stressed and burned out. And I mean, essentially dead inside, which I think a lot of us are (laughs) both because of life in general. And also because of the past year and a half, whatever, since March, 2020, like it's been a hard stretch. So I just can't wait to share the message of this book with the world. Absolutely. You've said so many things that I want to comment on. I won't comment on all of them, but it is number one. Did you, do you have the seek app when you identify plants? Huh, now I've pictured this. I haven't heard of seek. Okay. Check it out. It's by, I, gosh, what is it by national geographic? Maybe. I want to say it's, yeah, but basically you just hold it up because I'm in a nature co-op group. And so we will have it. And I, we try not to have our phones on us when we're out in nature, but if something catches our eye and we've found the most remarkable things when we've been out in nature and it's all things to that little app, and then we can go home and research it. We foraged certain mushrooms and come home and like cook them up. It's very, very fun. I am also into mushroom foraging and so is my husband. So, you know, that sounds amazing. But I think you also bring another point up that I would like to just emphasize, which is that I'm not saying technology is bad. It's really useful in many cases and also enjoyable and also can facilitate fun. So if there's Mm -hmm. listeners out there like, well, now I just feel bad about my phone. Don't. It's just about picking what's useful or enjoyable on your phone and keeping that part. So, for example... My husband has a bird identification app called Merlin or something that, and this is that you might enjoy this. You can hold up the phone and it records bird song and it will tell you what the birds are, which itself is just absolutely amazing. It's so cool to be like, oh, that is a tip mouse or whatever it might be. But we also had this very funny thing where we've got a friend who's an amazing whistler. And so we had this little challenge when we saw each other over the summer where we're like, okay, Josh, like, can you, can you fool the app? And so he was trying to whistle you know, it'd be a Carolina Wren or whatever it was. And he succeeded in some instances. And then my husband tried it and it was like bird unknown, but, but, you know, so it's just, I think we need to open our, like to, to be willing to use technology in ways that do facilitate playful connected flow, because it can, you know, like your road trip probably is a lot more fun because you can play any song you want to from any time without having to wait for it on the radio. So oh, just yeah. to keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, I've got a ton more suggestions in my 
newsletter and my website, which is howtohavefun.com for this. So I I just, I could like talk about this for hours, but yeah, I've just, it's changed my life and I just can't wait to share what I've learned with everybody. Absolutely. Well, where else can listeners find you if they want to connect? I'd say the main one is to go to howtohavefun.com or screenlifebalance.com. They'll essentially bring you to the same spot and sign up for my newsletter. As you can imagine, I'm not too into social media, but if you'd like to follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you can look up my name, Catherine Price. It's with a C. There's, it's annoying. They're slightly different on both those platforms, but you can figure it out pretty fast. And I try to you know, share delight and the message of screen life balance as much as possible and then encourage people to get off their phones. <laughs> I know. I feel like we need to have you back here to talk about that at first book, because there is a lot to be said. And I think that message, not one resonates probably so much with moms, but just having that encouragement and just hearing statistics sometimes will push me over the edge to make, make changes. So yeah, so much to be said, but I really appreciate you here. Just giving us some basic tips today. I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been, it has been fun. What did you think of the episode? I'm curious to know after hearing Catherine talk about what true fun is, do you feel like you are someone that does experience true fun? Are you hesitant to use that word? Or have the things that you felt were fun left you feeling unmotivated and just nowhere better than when you started? I'm so curious to know your thoughts. I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com and there you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.